Welcome to the Website Coach Podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs and small business owners that want a winning website, one that attracts more visitors and helps them book more clients. I'm Marie Brown, a website designer and business strategist, and I'll be sharing simple and actionable tips to help you create a winning website. So let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Website Coach Podcast. And this week, I'm delighted to introduce another guest to you. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Rachel Hale, who is a home interiors writer and actually a qualified interior designer as well, which I think makes her stand out from other writers. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Hello, Marie. Thank you very much for having me on. You're very welcome. And first of all, can you maybe explain what it is that you actually do and how you got started with that? Okay, I totally fell into this by accident. Um, but I do have to say that I love my job. It is my dream job. Um, basically, I get to write about people's um, houses um, and why they've done them up like they have, what's inspired their choices. But also the other part of my business is writing directly for home interiors, writers, kitchen designers, estate agents, architects, anyone involved in the home interior design sector, um, helping them promote their businesses through um, written content, whether that be online or in print in local uh, magazines. And, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and you haven't always done this, have you? How how did you get started? <laughs> no, before I had my children, I was a PA in an accountancy firm. Um, and it just so happened that I was working in the city when I got pregnant with my eldest. So that's a very long time ago. That's 19 years ago. And I knew I wasn't going to go back to work. Um, and then after I had my second son, a couple of years later, my eldest was feeling a bit left out. So I started making stories for him. And then he started asking me for the same story. And I obviously, you know, no sleep at all and nappies everywhere. I couldn't remember what I was saying at all in the middle of the night. So I started writing them down and it just went, you know, it just started a hobby. It was something for me that also involved my eldest as well. And then I started doing some writing courses. And a few years after that, I started blogging and I was very lucky picked up by a local editor of Kent Life magazine who asked me to start blogging for the magazine. And then within a month, I started writing articles for them. So it was purely by accident, I have to say. Um, a lot of winning it went on to begin with. Um, I've done an awful lot of courses since then, taken a lot of qualifications. Um, but yeah, I've loved it. A few years ago. I swapped from being a purely magazine journalist over to doing the copywriting as well, and that's the best decision I've ever made, to be honest. And what what was the the reason behind making that change? Um, family, as the whole, I've never set out to have a business, um, and family commitments have always guided and driven and constrained me to annoying degrees. Um, and basically, I swapped over when my dad, who had dementia, became really ill, and my parents lived in Wales. And uh, I was trying to split my time between Kent and Wales, and just doing constant deadlines magazines. It just wasn't working. So I gave up for a while. And then when I decided I wanted to work again, um, a year or so later after he died, I thought, right, what do I actually really love doing? And it's making the connections with people it's you know helping people and being able to guide them but longer term rather than just emailing an editor that I may have a great relationship but I've never met um 
And also journalism is very frustrating. You send off pitches and you might hear straight away that it's amazing and they want you, or you could hear nothing for six months and then they'll go, actually, that's not quite right. We've got another grey kitchen. Um, where is <laughs> so it's, it's not a way really of um, running a business because uh, you're at someone else's, um, I won't say whims, but you're, you know, you're depending on other people's decisions all the time. Whereas when I write directly for a local interior designer, I know exactly what she wants. I can tell her what I can provide and we can make decisions there and then whether it's the best thing for her rather than relying on third parties. And also it gets her a much better reaction and it's far more tailored to what they actually need, which is great. I love the fact that as part of this, you took an interior design course yourself. Why did you do that? Um, I've always been fascinated by houses. I, um, my parents originally bought a house with a demolition order on it and then realised that I was coming along. So my brother and I grew up in a house as it was basically being built around us. And my mum always put flowers on the table, whether it was on an upturned box or it was a table or whatever. She was always trying to create a home for us. And I think that always stuck. Also, it was a historical property. So I've grown up with all the quirks and things. I've just always loved it. Um, but I don't have the talent. to do. I know what I like and I know what I don't like, but I don't know how to create it. It's something that I really envy other people that just go, well, that goes with that. And I want to learn how they did it. Well, it took me two years and I've got a city and guilds design uh, interior design qualification, but I still can't do what interior designers do. Um, but it now allows me to write about their businesses from a different perspective. It allows me to ask the right questions that can explain. I am their ideal client. I love interiors, but I don't know how to do it myself. So it helps me formulate the questions and provide the content that's actually going to connect with their ideal client, basically. Um, absolutely. And how do you... How do you find these clients that you work with, the interior designers and you know architects and and other people that you that you you know write such fantastic material for? Um, to be honest, a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, but Instagram, um, I am not a great marketing person. It's so I hate trying to sell myself as a lot of people do. Um, so I try and think of it about building connections instead. And if I've noticed something um, that someone's asking for help for, you know, should I write about this or should I do that? Or what am I doing wrong? I try to help. No, you know, no pressure to hire yeah. me at all. I just want to help. So it's more about building connections and it's just organically grown. And I'm incredibly lucky that my clients stick with me. So I have a lot that I ghostwrite for lovely lovely people but you won't ever know that I've written for them um and then other big companies like Tappy Carpets have just got in contact with me because they've seen my website thank you very much Marie <laughs> um, and I've got a really large local estate agency that I write for all their um their bi-monthly magazine articles and I do a lot of their emails and openings of different things and then I've got down to little one-man bands that you know we're just launching and just want help with a blog post or I create social media for them so it's really varied but mainly it's Instagram and um, word of mouth. Uh, and I think those connections that you build up and like you say actually just helping people rather than trying to sell on Instagram like you say most people 
shy away from from marketing because they think it's all about the megaphone selling. Yeah. Whereas actually the most valuable thing you can do is is definitely build up those connections. And and for people who I mean, I'm a huge flat fan of blogging, as a lot of people know. Um and but for anybody who is scared of blogging, can you maybe explain why they sh- why you think they should blog and any tips that you have for for writing blogs it's all about building connections as i've said because through a blog post you can explain your point of view you can share helpful tips and advice you can actually you know it's like interior design a lot of people can't envisage a change until they've actually seen it and with blogging you're basically helping someone envisage how you can help them you're giving them actionable advice you're maybe sharing a case study that's saying you know they had this problem with storage i managed to solve it through this um it's about building up credibility as well um it's getting people or allowing people to get to know you it's people want to buy and use people that they like and everything now is so much online that it's you know, you want to see who is behind that company. I want to, when I go on a website, I want to see a picture of that person. I want to know a bit about them. I want to feel comfortable in approaching them to start off with. And blogging helps you to do that. It also highlights, you know, through SEO, what you're actually offering. Um, so people are drawn to you for the right reasons. Um, don't follow trends. I was speaking to an interior designer last year. And she had someone blogging for her who basically on trending keywords. So she was writing or someone was writing for her about white kitchens. She didn't do white kitchens at all, Mm. but it was trending. And people are going to be coming to her because they found her blog post about white kitchens. It's a complete waste of time. You need to blog about things that you love doing, highlight your own story, um, and actually the bits that bring you money. You've, you know, it is a business. So if doing a, creating a bathroom is what brings you bigger business than creating a playroom, then concentrate on the bathrooms. Do mix it up. But blogging allows you to basically share your expertise and build connections. I love that, actually, the focus that if bathrooms are what brings you the money, that's what you should be blogging yeah. about rather than the playrooms. And it's, com- it's completely true. And one of the, I think that's, that's you know, brilliant, um, reasons why you should you should blog the showing your authority and, and your your personality and, and helping yourself and actually going back to our earlier point about people who don't like marketing you can also repurpose your blog post for your marketing <laughs> which is everything starts with your blog post and your website that's what you control yeah um, and whereas social media is amazing but you can don't control anything whereas as long as you pay your hosting fees you've got a website there that's open 24 hours for you so um yeah that's what you're going to use, basically. Brilliant. You're marketing my website business for me as well. <laughs> and for somebody who is writing their own blog posts, yeah. what, how, what's the best advice you can give them for writing a blog post other than choosing the right topic, um, yeah. which I guess is probably the most important thing. <laughs> okay, this is going to sound weird, but if you're writing a blog post, you've got to have brilliant photos to go with it. So it really is true that images sell your story and you need images to spread through that to show off your concept. 
But one of the main things is your headline. It's got to, you've, you're making a promise to someone when they click on that headline that what they're going to read is actually going to answer what you've stated in that headline. Um, and it's the best thing you could do is think about what people put into Google to ask for advice on something. Mm. Um, so if they're looking for help on basement conversions, don't put, as someone did, title it what lies beneath because nobody is ever going to search for the term what lies beneath when they're looking for an architect to do a basement, you know, conversion for them. Yeah. You've got, it's got to be exactly what it says it is. And then you have to fulfill your promise through your blog. Um, so always, you know, stick to your point, write an outline at the top when you start um, being really concise about what you want to achieve, what you want people to do at the end of it, what you're hoping to highlight. Um, and write as if you are writing to a friend or to your ideal client. Have someone in your mind that you're writing to. You can't appeal to everybody. So write to the one person that you feel you can help the most, who has the money to come to use you and that, you know, you're going to be happy working with. So, yeah, just be concise. Yeah, and I have actually heard people you know, put a photograph of a person on yeah. their screen <laughs> so that they can imagine who it is that they're writing for um, as they go along. And for anybody who this all sounds like far too much like hard work and they would like to outsource their their writing, their blog writing, um, how would you recommend they go about it? How should they find somebody? And what should they be looking for? And maybe what questions they should ask? Oh, okay. You can... Basically, first ask your people, local people in business who you like their websites, who you like their blogging. Um, if they have someone that writes it for them, some people will tell you the shit, some people won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, do some online searching. There's an awful lot of fantastic writers out there, but you've got to find one that's that you feel comfortable with. Mm. You are giving someone permission to use your words and your value and put your business forward. You have to feel comfortable with them. Um, all the best writers, they will have a probably a free meeting with you first just to have a chat, see what you're actually interested in, um, how much control you're willing to get over. But the thing is, whatever someone writes for you, you can change it. You can say, I don't like this or I'm really happy with that. You should always have the you should always have the control over what is actually being printed for you. Yeah. Um, so for myself, I always have um like a, a, a in person is best because you get to make that connection better. But Zoom is amazing as well. Um so you have that chat, you talk about whatever topic it is you want to do, and then I would go away and write a draft for you, then send it over to see what your thoughts are. And we can tweak it until you're happy with it. And then once it's all um, written up and you're happy with it, I go in and put all your SEO codes in and your alt tags in for you, your meta description and everything. So all you've got to do is load it up, but you are in complete control of everything. But you've got to be really happy with whoever you're you're working with. I think that's really good advice. I know the, the last about two years I've written my own blog post, but 
prior to that, I certainly used a copywriter who was extremely good. Um, I just decided actually I quite liked writing my own. Um, yeah. uh, but actually, certainly the thing that I found was, was like you say, finding somebody that you that you feel understands you and that you get on with and that you can work with very easily. And and what I did find is that when she wrote something that it, it was it was extremely good, but there were there'd be a few sentences with a few words in that I would just think, oh, that's not what I would have said, or that's not how I would have said it. And but that's fine because I treated it as it's not the first draft, it's about draft number six. Um yeah. and that I just had to go in and actually say, well, I just want to change these few bits around. And it, it certainly saved me so much time. Mm. Especially compared to now when <laughs> I do write my own again. <laughs> a lot of my job is stalking in the nicest possible way. So if I'm working for a client and I'm getting to know them, they will go on their social media and I will see their reels and read the way that they've written their own captions and try and spot the words and the phrases that they like to use. Mm. Um, also on their website, I'll ask them if they've written it themselves or if they've outsourced it. And just through the, that's why the meetings are so important. Um, like now I, through you sound exactly how you are in real life on your blog posts and everything. It is your voice I hear in my head when I'm reading it because it is authentically you. It is your language, it is your tone of voice. And I want to replicate that for my clients, but save them the hassle of actually having to do it as well. So a lot of it, as I say, is a bit of detective skills, finding out how they speak. Yeah, and it's a, a good point as well that that from a marketing point of view, you want all of your marketing assets to sound the same, to be fairly seamless. And okay, you might use slightly, very slightly more colloquial language on, say, social media or slightly shortened language compared to your website, but there's not much difference. They should both sound like you. Yes. Um, and as you would talk to an ideal client. So, um, yeah, that's that's great. Um, and do you do PR as well, don't you, for your clients, as well as writing blog posts for their own website? You do, you write articles for them for magazines and um, uh, guest blogs. Is that right? Yes, I do. Yeah. So that's a bit of a flip from the journalist side that I used to concentrate on. So now basically... I find, not always, but I find for some of my clients the opportunity that they can be, have a guest a blog post somewhere. Or if someone says to me they really, really want to be in Sew Magazine, I have a great relationship with Sew Magazine. I know what they're looking for, um, but I can't do it on a, it's going to sound awful, but I can't do it on a free basis on the hope that I'm going to get paid buy the magazine anymore and I know for example that some magazines are able to pay for your answers and some aren't um so basically someone will pay me to write the article and get it placed for them uh, rather than being commissioned directly from the magazine I still do that very occasionally but you know it's I'm all behind my client rather than behind the magazine as it were Absolutely. But there's an enormous benefit to somebody from getting published in the magazine. So it's something that I think, well, people do pay for and they pay a lot of money to PR agents to get them placed in different magazines. So I think it's only only right because especially if you're an interiors business, being in something like So Magazines or any of the other local sort of higher end magazines, which do concentrate on 
interiors, etc., then that's that's got an enormous value to them. You know, they only need one client from one of those articles and that will more than pay for itself. It will, but the, the problem with magazines is um, that there's no guaranteed outcome. Mm. So yes, you may only need that one client to pay for whatever, but I can't, and I hate the fact that I can't make any guarantees. So I always say to someone, look, this is an investment. It's going to be great social proof for you. It's also a great confidence boost. You can say you've been seen in, but I can't guarantee that it's going to bring you X, Y, and Z. Um, no, I, there are no guarantees with any kind of marketing. So <laughs> uh, I think it's, but it's, it's great to do. If you can do it, it is great to do. I do love it. <laughs> um, we we touched before on, or, or you you touched before on the difficulty or how your business has changed with your family and with your family responsibilities. And that's the position that a lot of people who listen to this podcast are in. And I know your children are older now, a little bit older now, and very similar age to mine. Uh, having teenagers at home definitely gives a slightly different challenge to running a business. Um, how have you found running a business with children as they've you know, gone through the ages and now they're teenagers at home? To be honest, uh, years ago, I always thought, oh, I can't wait for them to be teenagers. They'll be able to look after themselves. I'll have a bit more time. It'll be far better routine. And that was all rubbish, basically. It's, it's even more chaotic now than I ever thought it was going to be. But my family does have its own individual quirks, as everyone does my um, youngest, who is very excited at the moment because he's turning 16 on Saturday. Um, suffers badly from anxiety, which was made a lot worse through COVID. So he couldn't actually go back into a mainstream school. Um, so he's now at our, an amazing um, anxiety-based school um, locally, but it means he's only there four days a week and only for four hours a day. Mm. So I'm back to doing the 10 to 2 school run um, because obviously he can't get spunked or anything because he's too worried about getting on any public transport. Um, so that has been really, really hard. Um, also, there's some days that you just can't face it. So I will get a call at any random time. So I can't actually, although as much as I try to ring fence my time, I know that I'm going to get, um, I could be bombarded at any time. Also, when he's at home, um, he doesn't have any boundaries. <laughs> So if he wants me, he's already talking to me as he's coming down the stairs or walking across the room. So I'm constantly pulled in and out of things. Um, and what has been very revealing, I recently paid someone to do, be my accountability buddy for a week. And I logged down every time I was distracted by the phone, by my children, my husband calling or mother-in-law or whatever. And it is basically, I am not in control of my time when I'm at home. So I now... It's summer holidays. Um, my eldest is breaking, well, finishing college today, which seems bizarre. Um, I actually now go out to work. So even though I'm freelance, I now go out and find a local cafe. Or I've got a couple of friends that we do, you know, working mornings together. We'll, they'll either come to my house and we sit down for a couple of hours uninterrupted. They don't interrupt when I have people in the house. So, um <laughs> which is great, or I will go to their house. And we just sit separately. It's all very companionable, but we just sit down and focus. Yeah. So I'm learning that actually to be more productive, I need to actually be out of the house for a minute. So it's training my kids, basically. 
<laughs> but that's great that you put a solution, you come up with a solution to that that works for you. And I think that is one of the things, it's it's brilliant that working for yourself allows that flexibility and allows you, as they always say, to make the sports days and the school plays and be there at pickup. But that flexibility is also does work the other way in terms of the disruptions that you that you do get and certainly you know I get those um very much as well um in fact I'm quite surprised that we've managed to get this far through a podcast recording without somebody <laughs> opening the door and not seeing the enormous sign that's on there that says that I'm recording um <laughs> maybe they can read this week um uh, but um mine's asleep one's upstairs asleep and the other one's at college so <laughs> <laughs> um but and, and apologies to those with younger children who are looking forward to the teenage years when things are going to get an awful lot easier because they are just different and they they do just have different needs now to to when they were younger. Although I must admit, I don't miss the days of them sort of being attached to my leg when you're trying to work and screaming. But I also miss, um, you know, bedtimes were always fantastic, reading stories and everything, that's great. But then I would be able to work when they were asleep, if it were the evenings. But now they're so much older. I mean, I'm going to bed as my eldest is actually going out for the night. So there's no time without them, if you like. They're yeah. always here, buzzing, you know, around. So that's quite hard. It is. But we will miss them when they're gone. Oh, I'm judging <laughs> it. I'm actually judging it. <laughs> Might moan about them, but... <laughs> But we will definitely miss them when they're gone. I know my eldest is uh, is looking to go to uni this uh, this autumn, and yeah, it's going to be very very strange and very quiet at home without those interruptions. Um, that's been really helpful. One last thing I want to touch on um, before we get to the quick fire questions is um, I built your website a couple of years ago, and your business has changed since I built your website. But that's fine because your website has adapted to it. But can you? talk about why you um, decided it was time for a new website going back those I can't remember when it was I think it was about two and a half years ago about three years ago, three years ago. gosh time does certainly fly um so you know why you decided you needed a new website and how you went about finding somebody okay uh, basically I was I've always used WordPress absolutely love it but I'd built my previous one I'd grown it from a blog and then I just tried to add different bits to it to create more website-like presence um, and it was working fine but when I kind of moved from the journalist side to the copywriting side I needed a more professional look and um, it needed to basically up level and I couldn't take it any further so I started asking around and your name was mentioned to be by three or four different people and it's like well you know, I trust these people. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, was looking at your website. I'd been following you for a while. I just felt comfortable approaching you. Um, and that was really important to me. You were very local as well, which was another bonus. Um, yeah, I just liked the way that you put everything forward and I felt comfortable asking, asking you questions, which was really important for me because, you know, I've worked on the IT side a lot with my you know, when I was in, I better not say proper work, but when I was like in the city. Corporate. <laughs> corporate world, you know, and I always used to feel uncomfortable asking questions. And if I didn't quite understand, I would think, okay, can't ask that again. Whereas with you, I just want, when I was looking for someone to build my own website, it was so important to me that it was right. Um, 
And like we were saying about copywriting, I needed to feel a connection with whoever was building it for me. And you were amazing. So, and so amazing that it's, I haven't done what I've been preaching to my clients for the last three years in that I've barely touched my website. So <laughs> my blog is, well, tumbleweed going through there. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you mentioned about coming on the podcast and I'm like, oh my goodness, I haven't actually looked at that for ages, but it's been working really well for me. People see me on Instagram and then they go and have a look on the website and then they get in contact with me. Um, so it does everything I need it to do. Um, and yeah, I have full control over changing the tweaks and stuff, but it works perfectly. Oh, well, that's good to hear, especially after <laughs> after three years. I hadn't realised it was quite that long, actually. But uh, yeah, it was certainly pre-COVID, so it must have been. It was because I was looking at it and said, oh, I've been, you know, writing for nine years. It's like, no, I haven't. I've been writing a lot longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is one of those things that you need to need to uh, keep revisiting from time to yeah. time. But uh, oh no, that's brilliant to hear. Um, before I get on to quickfire questions, can you let people know where they can find you? Which I guess is your website and Instagram, but maybe you can say what your handles are. My website is, um, okay, crikey. It's www.homeinteriorswriter.com and you'll find me on there. And also my handle on Instagram, which is my main social media feed, is at homeinteriorswriter. Um, but please always send me DMs. I'm always happy to chat, answer questions. Brilliant. I, I put that, both of those links in the show notes. Thank so, you. Finally, a couple of quick questions. Yeah. Um, as this is a podcast and lots of people listen to lots of different podcasts, um, what's your favourite podcast other than this one of course i have to say it's only recently that i've actually started listening to anyone else <laughs> to you when i do the ironing um but susan george coaching.com um she is a lovely lady that i know personally but she's um a woman's coach and it's all about confidence and well-being her podcast but it's all it's all about um she interviews lots of women in business and asks them what actually they enjoy most about being in business um, so it's celebrating the good side and giving advice on how to find the support and things that are actually going to make you more confident. So she has anything from playing to your strengths to finding joy in your clothes and then little habits about well-being. They're only like 30 minutes, but I really enjoy listening to those. Oh, brilliant. I haven't heard of her, so I will I will certainly go and uh, check her out and uh, and take a listen. And what about a favourite business book? I haven't got a favourite one. I have read loads, but I don't have one that really sticks with me. But one, I have a newsletter that pops into my e-book every Friday night and it's called Friday Night Favourites and it's from Jenny Cooper Time Saver. So it's very short, um, but it always has a business tip in there and another something that's going to give you advice to save you time, which I really need to control my time and productivity. Um, something else that may be highlighting an event that's happening. Um, it could either be a local one or a business event. And then something that's just a little bit fun and lighthearted that's going to make you laugh at the bottom of it. And it's, yeah, it's short and sweet, but there's generally something in there that's helpful and uplifting as well. And I really enjoy getting that on a Friday night. Oh, that sounds a great way to um, uh, think to have on a Friday night. And actually, it's a good point that we don't have to. I'm not very good at reading business books. I listen to so many podcasts and I get all of my information that way and so I've got 
three or four business books by the side of my bed that I really want to read, but just actually getting around to reading them. And sometimes just having things in short chunks is more helpful than actually thinking, well, if I'm going to read this book, I need to read a chapter and that's 20 pages and I actually want to go to sleep or I want to do something else. So actually having a newsletter is uh, is, is a good good idea. Um, and finally, um, a piece of business advice, either for people who are just starting out or people who've been going um, for a couple of years. Okay, I've got a couple here. Basically, don't listen to your family. They, <laughs> they are not your prospective clients. And um, you may love them dearly, they may love you dearly, but they are not the best person to get advised when you're trying to set up your business. Um, my husband, although he thinks I'm very good at what I do, he doesn't like the way I write at all. He hates the fact that I start sentences with and and but and can have contractions and stuff. He's very formal um, and, you know, business should be done properly. Um, so, yeah, forget your family. Um, basically, find your tribe. Find other people that have the same values as you. They don't have to be... Um, in the same business as you but if they're running their own businesses then you're going to be able to have a sounding board you can ask those questions that you're too embarrassed to find you know to ask anybody else you're all in the same boat and um, people are really friendly and helpful so try and find people that are at a similar stage to you um to be like your support buddies but then also try and find people that are a couple of years further along the journey than you so you can gain advice from them you can learn from them and don't be afraid to invest in um, advice. We can't all do everything ourselves. Um, but like coming to you from my website, I couldn't go any further. I also have sometimes used a business coach um, because I just can't do everything myself. So don't be worried to delegate. And the final one is trust your gut. So many times I've had those little warning signs that go, this doesn't feel quite right, but I've done it anyway. And it's never worked out great. So, um, yeah, trust your gut. It does actually know what you, you need to do. And just enjoy it. Try and just enjoy what you're doing. Keep in mind why you're doing it, but follow what makes you happy. That's brilliant advice. I don't think I can add anything to that. <laughs> um, that's great advice. I particularly love finding your tribe, which I think is is probably the best piece of business advice um, out there, other than actually just do it, just get on and do it. <laughs> um, that's brilliant. Thank you so much, Rachel. That's been um, incredibly valuable. I hope people listening have got a lot out of that. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Really enjoyed that. I hope it's helpful. <laughs> brilliant. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. That makes a massive difference as to whether Apple shows my podcasts more widely. And head over to my website, beyondthekitchentable.co.uk, where you can find all the ways you can work with me, whether you're just starting out, looking to grow your business or scaling it. And see you next week. <laughs>